All right, good deal. Let's do this thing, right? Lamar, you there? Yeah, I'm here, man. I have you loud and clear. How me? Scott, good to see you. Thank you. I hear you. Hear me loud and clear. Yes, sir. All right. Well, guys are coming in. They're grabbing a virtual seat. Pull your chair up. Let's see where they're coming from. How you doing, Lamar? Man, I am hanging in there. It is just an incredible day down here in South Florida. A little bit overcast, but overall very nice. Can't complain. We got the Stewart Air Show tomorrow. You hear those fighter jets buzzing in your house? Yeah. Last year we were down here for the uh, for the state swim meet, and uh, it's just incredible that air show. It was the same weekend, and so I'm I'm thoroughly excited to to get over there nearby it um, just to collect a little bit of those those feels man get a little bit of that smell some of that jet mm -hmm. fuel smell <laughs> well as as people are coming in why don't you guys let us know in the chat box your first name uh where you tuning in from scott we're glad to have you here good to see you thank you sir appreciate it yeah i look forward to hearing your story your testimony um, thanks for being willing to share it with us. Oh, you're welcome. I think we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So that's right. No worries. Amen. And and, and the witness uh, the witness depth here is just uh, we just crossed over uh, one of the oceans. Uh, I just saw Australia. I've seen all over the U.S. Um, it's just an incredible outpouring already. Uh, we've got a Canadian here, and in, in, um, the turnout is already amazing. Very excited about this. That's awesome. Bruce, David, Manuel, Neil. Wow. I have Ghana. So uh, more Canadians. Uh, uh, the foreign country of South Dakota is weighing in. So good, good to see that. <laughs> Daniel, Joseph, thank you guys for coming. I can't believe it's Friday all, already, man. It's like this week went so stinking fast. You have any plans for the weekend, Lamar? Yeah, my father outlaw is coming up or coming down, I should say, from Jacksonville. And so we're going to spend some time with him, uh, trying to convince him to move down here. And uh, so yeah. you'll, be, you'll be playing an integral role in that. So <laughs> hopefully we can take him up to see the studio. We're excited. Yeah. I'm taking uh, my son Landon. He's five years old. We're going out fishing tomorrow. He's turning five. So. The dude is obsessed with fish. I mean, obsessed with fishing. Um, he, he can tell you every fish that's in the Atlantic Ocean. And he's a pretty good little fisherman, too. I got him involved with wrestling last year. I think it was a little too early. It was intimidating for him. And um, you know, I grew up wrestling, so I think I was a little too eager to see him get out on the mat, start rolling around. And uh, like, okay, I got to back off a little bit, but he likes fishing. I mean, I grew up liking fishing and wrestling. That was like my world. So he's got, he's got one of them. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, we're gonna go out and catch some snapper and some kingfish, hopefully. Yeah, excited about that. All right, well, let's get started. Lamar, could you open us up in prayer? Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. I think thank you so much for allowing us to be here. And so, uh, God, thank you for these men, these men from all over the world, Lord, um, that'll put their Friday on pause. And Lord, we have folks that are weighing in. It's early Saturday morning on their side. Uh, we have folks from you know from Canada coming in, Lord. We have folks from Ghana, all over the world. Um, and so, God, it truly is, is a movement uh, in Your name. And so, we, we surrender to that movement, God. Um, we, we we give over this next hour to You, um, and, and Lord, we ask for that to springboard us as as we move forward through that next week, um, the next couple weeks. And Lord, as we as we look forward to you know the December mission brief, uh, and then in the future, um, we just we see you moving, God, and we thank you so much for your providence and for letting us be on mission with you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And from what I understand, Lamar, you and your wife are going to be joining us next month to to tell your story. Yeah, we're, we're super excited about it, Jeremy. Um, there, there's so much to that. Hopefully, it's some, it's some, uh, some stuff that, that we can get uh, the ladies involved. And as we start to, to branch this thing off for, for some of the hurt in this, some of the casualties out there, mm -hmm. uh, we're just so thrilled to be a piece of that. And so uh, it looks like that's going to be on December 10th. And so more to follow. Awesome, man. Yeah, so at the end of this webinar today, all the men who are here, um, they're going to have the opportunity to share their wife's email address with us because we want to personally invite them to be with us during the next webinar. And so it's a couple's invitation. And um, you and your wife, Lamar, will be there. You'll be sharing your story and how you really screwed things up. <laughs> Amen. You know, she's she's excited about getting the ladies in that room. And then in January, um, branching off for the, the ladies portion of this, um, there'll be a specific um, you know, mission brief for the ladies. And, and I think they're going to call it something different. Um, but really, this is a wonderful way to get us leading up to the release of From the Ashes uh, for the betrayed spouses. Nice. Yeah. So feel free to use the Q&A at the bottom of your screen at any time to ask questions. Um, Lamar is going to be uh, helping us with that and fielding those questions. Um, yeah, let's see where everyone's coming in from right now. We've got Josh from Kingston, Ontario, Canada, Chicago. Wow. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have Tony coming in from Canada. Good deal. Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here. I know uh, you got a busy day, and so I'm thankful and appreciative that you take the time to be on this call. Yesterday was Veterans Day, and so I'm honored to have this chance to acknowledge the brave men and women who served in the armed forces. If you have served in the military or are currently serving, could you just type in the chat your, your first name, number of years served, what branch you were in? Lamar, you were in the Marines, right? Yeah, I was uh, for, for a very short time. I was with the Marines for a couple of years around the first desert storm, around the first, you know, uh, Gulf War, I should say. Um, 
Uh, and so, and then I went into the Navy after that for the last portion of my career. Um, I'm seeing Dave from the Air Force from 86 to 96. I've got another Dave in the Navy for 11 years, Phil, Navy, four years. Um, those are starting to, to flow in. I imagine you're going to see just a ton more here. Mike, U.S. Navy, 20 years. Sean, Army, uh, 70 to 72. Um, we got a Joe who was, oh my goodness, he was third Army Div during uh, Vietnam. Uh, Robert Air Force for three years there. Lauren Air Force, 68. Um, Zach, National Guard, uh, Air Guard, uh, 10 to 16. Uh, Timothy, 24 years Air Force. Uh, Mike, a retiree, Army, 61 to 82. So we're going to see so much here in, in terms of veteran service. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for your service. Um, appreciate your commitment to the country and to, to your own health and sobriety as well. Scott, good to see you, man. Thank you for being here. Um, I've got a short film that you sent us, and this kind of gives you a background of who Scott is and gives you a picture of his, of his life in the military. Um, but before we show the video, just wanted to let any of you military guys know out there that you know it, could, it might be a little rattling. So if you've got PTSD or anything, um, you know, let's be aware of that. So, Lamar, you want to play that for us? It's about three or four minutes long, I think. About 5 a.m., the Marines took off on a mission to try to take two houses that are just outside of where they're holed up right now on the outside of Fallujah. The mission was to conduct security area in order to locate and destroy insurgents. After a while, there was a report of seven insurgents running near a mosque. So the Marines dispatched one team. They searched the mosque. They searched the tall minaret and didn't find any insurgents. They then returned to the house. Roger, so they sprinted from Penn Station due south into the city. Okay. Okay. It was about 11.30 in the morning when an all-out attack was launched against the house. Insurgents using hand grenades, RPGs, small arms fire, and mortars. I would say easily 4,000 rounds of small arms between RPK machine guns and AK-47s. Several thousand rounds in the first 15 minutes. There was a lot of lead in the air. A couple of the Marines that were in the house that I was staying in were shot and wounded. Come back! Bring him in here! Bring him in here! I'm up here! I'm up here! Bring him in here! You're going to be all right, man. Okay, all right? Be all right. For an instant, I thought, well, if it gets overtaken, you know, we're all we're all done for. They were taking it from every side for a sustained period of time. And then there was a lull, and I realized we only had a little bit of time before they regrouped, before they're going to attack again. And that's when we had to capitalize and get the fuck out of there. We're getting ready to punch out hard. 
We're getting everybody out of here ASAP. I hadn't given up on the tanks, but I knew there, it was going to take them a while. And I figure if we, all we have to do is get down, you know, 50 meters, make that right turn, and we're, we're covered in that alleyway. And I knew we had enough firepower to do that. Hey, if you're a first squad, get in the goddamn room. If you're a third, get in the room. If you're a second, get in the room. I think combat is the exhilaration and the, the honor and the, the sense of purpose and direction is unequal. I can't think of anything that could be close to it. The kingdom come and will be done. Give us this day I don't know, the CEO has been giving me the, the freedom to, to minister, I guess. He has confidence in me and my abilities, and that I'm going to be at the right place at the right time, and, and so far that's worked out. To me, this is a good place to, uh, I guess, be reborn out here, because, I mean, we've lost so many friends. I mean, in this, uh, the school alone, we've uh, we lost two good Marines here, and uh, then uh, two days ago we lost another one. So, Andrew, this is a, a public profession of your faith that uh, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. And this is your desire here to be baptized here today? Yes, it is. To not only recognize that he's your Lord and Savior, but to honor your fallen comrades? Yes. Hurrah. Well, Andrew, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> this is so good, dude. <laughs> You know, the situations that we're in here draw you closer to your, your spiritual roots, I think, or the, the, the spiritual hunger, and many are answering that call. Like every day that we're out here, like the stronger the faith I have in my God, that He will protect me, and all the prayer that we receive out here is just protection, you know, and, and just, you know, getting the Word daily and just letting, you know, God's love and mercy and joy and peace, you know, just fall upon us. Wow. That's awesome. Sorry about some of the language in there. I didn't catch that the first time I watched it. Um, Scott, daggone, you fought on the battlefield for a nation and now you're fighting a, a new war, engaged in a different battlefield for really the spiritual survival of men and their families. Um, what, what similarities do you see in these battles? I don't know, probably the heart rate goes up. Um, the the I don't know. So, so I had stuffed a lot of the feelings and the emotions because you can't deal with them right at the moment. And so I think that's maybe a similarity too. the shame, the guilt that, that we have in our, our heads and our hearts, you know, mm -hmm. we camouflage it, we hide it, um, you know, put a veneer over it and, and move on. And it can go right. for years and years without, um, uh, you know, surfacing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's part of the simile there, but you're talking about the war. Maybe, maybe phrase it again and I'll grab it. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, you, you, there are physical battles where you go to war and then there are spiritual battles. And, you know, in, in, in both engagements, we're engaged against an enemy. Uh, most of the time you can't see the enemy. And so it, it, it's such, you know, for men who are struggling in sexual sin, it's a battle within eight inches or six inches of gray matter. Right. It's our, it's our brain. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the frontal lobe goes offline, you know, and, and we rely on the limbic system. Um, but the more important person to rely on is the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and that's when you engage in that and you trust. I mean, so going out into battle, even the, the baptisms that we had that day, 
you know, um, I, had, I got word that somebody wanted to get baptized. So we, you know, riled up, or we uh, wrangled up some uh, water jugs and we used ammo boxes and, and uh, MRE meals and tied 550 cord around it and, and had a baptism. Mm. And so I don't think I would have been able to do that um, or accomplish or head into that storm, you know, without God by my side, without the Holy Spirit. You know, the inside says, don't do it, don't do it, you know, self-preservation, you know, hide it, keep it secret, secret, go away, um, you know, let it, let it go underground. And that's not where we win the battle when it's underground, we got to bring it to the surface. Yeah, that's uh, right. Fight it, fight it where it is. And so now you're a, a licensed mental health counselor? You're yeah. leading hockey series and warpath groups? Yeah. Leading a group, so I was really mad at God, you know, from from Iraq and some of the things that were there, and so I thought I could become a mental health counselor and, and approach the fight that way. Um, mm. But without God, I mean, uh, you can't win the fight. I know someone was talking about the full armor of God either before we started, and if you can put on one piece of the armor, I mean, that's that's good. But if you're not combating it with all um, all hands on deck, um, I was trying to think of the word, um, you know, combined arms attack. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're not going to win the fight. And so you need to, to bring it all up forward. So I'm a little activated, you know, but I think we're going to be okay. Um, God's with us. Yeah. You know, Scott, a common theme that I see with men who've been trapped in sexual sin for many years is, and, and these are men who've come out of that sin is at some point they were able to make sense of their past and vocalize how certain things, uh, whether they're it's abandonment, abuse, et cetera, how those things led to certain behaviors. And so understanding and communicating that story really helps the brain heal and become new again. Right. Yeah. And so scripture makes it really clear in revelation 12, 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. Freedom comes through forgiveness in Jesus and sharing our testimony. And so Scott, as you look back in your past, where do you feel that, that Satan was setting you up? <laughs> Probably all, all along, you know, he's, he's a culprit that all he wants to do is steal, kill and destroy, you yeah. know, and, and uh, while you were talking about that, you know, I, there were several things running through my mind. We don't keep secrets. Secrets keep us from hope healing. Yeah. And unless we bring it forward and out, you know, we, we give it a voice. It's not going to get healed. We went to a training in, in uh, Charleston, North Carolina. I was sexually assaulted when I was 19. First came in the Navy, came in in 1980. Um, there was some training we had to go there. There was Hurricane Irma was there. There was a lot of stuff going on, swirling around. And, and I was pretty rough. And I, I said, God, help me plumb the depths of, of that pain. And so, yeah, there was my parents' divorce, the domestic violence, kind of going down in the San Andreas trawl, uh, uh, you know, the deep waters. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Level upon level. And, you know, and then uh, the sexual assault, the combat stuff. And then there was like this bottomless pit. You know, I hmm. said, Lord, what is that? You know, help me plumb the depths. And he said, that's your infidelity, Scott, with, with your wife. You know, and so minimizing that impact, mm. it, it was helpful for me to see the, the depth that that took and the wounds that were there. And that that pushed me to the point is that, you know, you got to do something, Scott, um, and stop sitting on the bench, get in the game, get in the fight um, and engage. 
Yeah. Well, Scott, I want to hear your story. Um, and I want guys to know that are watching this that, you know, we're getting together to talk about this stuff. This isn't a time, uh, you know, a pity party over our past. Um, you know, we don't sit here, sit here and revel over all the bad things that happened to us. These are stories of victory, how Satan tried to hold us captive to our past. And, and it's really about how Jesus has set us free. And so, you know, just keep that in mind. I, I don't believe that we should live in the past, but I believe that we should know the past so that we don't repeat it in the future. So it's one thing in your, in your journey of healing and recovery is you, you got to know your story. You really need to understand it because there's a thousand puzzle pieces out there that have got to start to come together for you to make sense of things. And then it gives you reason and uh, kind of an explanation for how you got to where you are. And once you know that, it, it, it really transforms uh, the whole process for you. So, Scott, where do you want to start, man? Wow, I don't, I don't know. You're doing a good job leading, and I, I like that because of the stuff that's going on. You know, I mean, you can start at the beginning, you know, where the adversary first stuck his, you know, toe in your life, but it was the domestic violence. You know, if you look at the levels, they're there. And then the mm. pornography that my dad had, I think my, the divorce and domestic violence, that was fueled by the pornography that the loss of intimacy with my parents, you know, and then my mom went out and found somebody else, you know, there was all that storm playing on. And I was, um, you know, looking for significance, looking for safety, looking for hope. And as a kid, you don't get that. Even the exposure to uh, pornography um, is a wound. That's, that's trauma right oh, yeah. there. Yeah. I like what Jay Stringer, I had a counselor it was really good. I had him for four years or eight years. In four years of the time, I never brought the pornography forward. I left it underground, you know, and I wasn't willing to engage yet. I'm not sure why. The shame, the, I don't know, the regret, the, the secrets, the condemnation, it kept me trapped, you know, like a, a bit in a horse's mouth, mm -hmm. you know, and then I tried to uh, domesticate porn too, and that doesn't work. You can't make it a servant of you. It gets into your heart so deep, you know. I'm not really getting a, a good story, just kind of a bunch of words, but I what, think it's- What age did yeah. you discover porn in your house? Probably eight, nine, you know, um, under the bed, you know, in the bathroom, yeah. you know, it was, it was Playboys. You know, we had a chance to talk in groups with some of the other guys, you know, and then how it ex accelerated to Penthouse and Hustler. And, you know, that was all before the internet. And those are things that, you know, the, the adversary gets his claws into your life. So it starts out as an impulsive behavior leading to a compulsive behavior and eventually right. it's a repulsive behavior. And I'm just pushing people away, pushing God away. But it's God interesting that you said that it, it, discovering porn was a wound mm. because most men don't identify that as a wound because they think to themselves, well, if I enjoyed it, how could it have wounded me? Sure. And it's so it sets you up. Yeah. Yeah, it sears the conscience. It's just like taking something really hot and all the nerve endings that you got, you know, and it doesn't hurt yeah. anymore. It's like rubbing dirt in the wound, you know, yeah. even yeah. even in Iraq. Sorry to jump on that. But, you know, saying one of the corpsmen said, hey, just, you know, told the Marines, rub one out, you know, masturbate um, and that'll help you sleep. You know, and so, again, it's searing the conscience. It's searing the hurt. You know, it's it's trying to, you know, move on temporarily. But rubbing dirt in a wound you know, maybe stops the bleeding, but it doesn't, uh, um, it doesn't so help you in the long run. Yeah. 
Yeah, so going back to your childhood, you said that you it was a broken family, uh, mom and dad divorced, yeah. you had discovered pornography. And so that's kind of the setup. Yeah, so I mean, we, we live in a fallen world, you know, and there, there's a battle going on. We can't refute that. And so my sister had taken us to a church at the end of the street and I learned about Zacchaeus, the wee little man, climbed up in the tree. We had a tree in our backyard. I climbed up in the tree, cried out to God, asking mom and dad, uh, asking God why mom and dad fought so much. And there was kind of silence. And, you know, I, I cried. I'd get up higher to the branches, you know, where they split. You got to hold them together. Otherwise, they fall down. It was Wisconsin. You know, I climbed a lot of trees and fell a few times. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, God, it took a while for God to reveal that to me. And now I know that the pornography was part of that, that trauma for them. I'm not saying it excuses any behavior, but it, an understanding is so important of the, the uh, adversary's weapons, you know, and what he uses to destroy, you know, not just people's lives, but families and testimonies. And when we keep that testimony inside, we keep it silent. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it doesn't become a tool for, for the Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Just like you told, you know, Re uh, Revelations 12, 11, blood of the lamb, testimony, the words of our mouth, you know. And when we break that, that silence, you know, then there's, there's, we can rally around one another and that helps not necessarily to normalize it, but to say, Hey, I can do it too. I can cross, you know, that, that river or that, that bow of silence. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, young kids, they discovered pornography and, it becomes a secret in their life, obviously, because the shame there. Um, at what age did you recognize that this was more of an addiction or it had become an addiction? You know, I don't know. I just added to it. There was alcohol. There was drugs. You know, juvenile delinquent kind of went through the scared straight program into the court system, joined the military to get out of trouble. I think maybe when I was joining the military, I knew you couldn't do drugs Drinking was okay. You know, there was no word about pornography. And that's kind of a, a hidden thing too, is, is that we've pushed all these other things aside. And so por pornography, masturbation has become the acceptable means of self-soothing, you know, in, in the military. And, and it's, it's just taken it by storm. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe when I joined the military, no, it, it still was underground. It was underground. What type of impact did this have uh, in, in your marriage? So, yeah, so I got married when I was 30, was either 30 or 31. My wife's not here, but that's okay. Um, she would correct me or help me understand. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I was Lamont doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I went to seminary, you know, it was, it was very, you know, light, um, but working with a computer, you know, the, the digital images that take forever to download, you know, and you're waiting, waiting in, in such anxiety and fear, you know, looking, 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 you know, what's going to happen. And, and it's like, come on, give me the picture already. Um, yeah. You're back in the dial up porn ages, right? Yeah. And you know, the sound. Yeah. And so those are all cues. And so the sound and the fear of looking, 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 you know, wanting, 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 it's not just the porn. It's all those other things that kind of pour in and, and grab a hold of your head and your heart too. So I think when I was in Iraq, you know, here I am a chaplain, you know, the videos that, that, that you just saw, um, 
you learn that the Corman saying just masturbate, um, you know, it's, it'll help you sleep. And so I was there too. And, you know, and there, there was something that had said in my head and my heart too, is that every time I would masturbate at night, a Marine would die in the morning, you know, and that, that got a hold of me, you know, and it was like, man, you know, here we are, we're, we're at war, you know, and I, and, and God or the lies are coming in mm. and it's saying, you know, you're responsible for this. I think it was the month of June fasting for a month. We had no KIAs. Um, then July hit, you know, and, and there, there they are again. Um, but wow. I mean, Marines were dying anyways, even though I was, I wasn't masturbating, but that was, you know, the searing, the constant, the, the amount of shame, you know, that yeah. the adversary can use just to drive it deeper in our lives. Don't tell anyone, don't say anything. You know, he's, he's a, he's quite a liar. And I think at that point I knew I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask for it. You know, cause here I am a chaplain. You can't go to another chaplain and say, Hey, I got this addiction. Right. Wait a second. You can, that was another lie, Scott. And it goes back to my childhood and it took a while to unravel this one. But when, uh, I was a kid sleeping in bed. You know, there was some noise on the roof. I thought maybe, I don't know what it was, burglars. Went up to my dad and I said, dad, dad, he had a little PTSD too. And he woke up and he kind of roared, ripped my pajamas. And so as a kid, it's like, man, you can't trust. There's there's no, don't, don't say anything, you know? And I went from fear to terror and couldn't speak, you know? And then my mom's there, Larry, Larry, it's Scott, it's Scott, you know, and, um, so it, it eventually, you know, I was able to overcome that, but my relationship with my dad was directly connected to my relationship with God. And if I couldn't trust my dad, I couldn't trust God. That was another one of those limbic lies, you know, combing those out so you can have a, you can be present with God because he's present with you regardless of where you are. Mm -hmm. Sorry if I'm talking so much. But... No, no, I'm listening very closely. Okay. So at, at what point, um in your life scott did you say uh i've really got to open up about this and and uh tell somebody this secret i've been hiding yeah so i i think it was in 2016 um maybe yeah 20, 2016 around december i was invited to a mighty oaks retreat i put a stone in my shoe before i left you know so walking through the airport on the plane got there and it was a pretty good size you know pebble and it was like, how long can you endure? You know, my toenail, one of my toenails even got black and blue. I don't think I lost the toenail, but affecting that, that uh, nerve to the toe. And it was like, how long are you gonna endure? The longer I endure, it seems like the more numb it gets. But I walked with another, he was an army pilot and we won't say any names or anything like that, but he shared his life and how putting a weapon in his mouth and pulling the trigger and it, the round not going off you know, and then what's the matter with this gun? And then him shooting and there it goes, you know, God, God was intervening in his life and he was intervening in mine. And I told him about my stone and my shoe and I wanted to put it at a tree that we saw off in the distance. And he said, just take it out and chuck it, you know? And I said, no, I, you know, I felt God telling me, take it to that tree. You know, eventually we got to it. It was a really a shrub. It wasn't a tree. It was a false distance thing. I took it out. And I was able to share with him, at least along the journey, um, and having a, you know, a fair witness. We talk about that in, in some of our groups, too, is fair witness, a fellow soul, sojourner in a different perspective, uh, or um, a fresh perspective. So three Fs. 
And so that, that really helped that I had a, a fair witness, you know, not somebody that was going to judge me, somebody that had gone through the same thing as I did. Um, and that we we're fellow sojourners, you know, we we're on the same journey together and we we're going to fight together to the right and to the left and that I wasn't alone. And that began the process called back to my pastor, my endorsing agent. I mean, I emailed everyone saying, you know, Hey, here it is, you know, I need help. And just, you know, started lighting up smokes all over the place. And it was like, I'm not turning back from this one. Everybody's got to know about it. Um, otherwise I'm, it's going to go back underground again. And then I'm just going to continue living the lie. I don't know if that answered the question or not. Yeah, absolutely. So you got pretty serious at that point. You said, look, I'm, uh, I'm taking off the robe. Yeah. Like, scorched uh, earth here. Yep. James Reeves talks about, you know, you just let the back of that robe open and just show the whole world what you got. That's what I'm yeah. working with right here. You know, total vulnerability and transparency. And that's what it takes. And Absolutely. so it takes transparency with one person initially, and then you start to say, hey, the, the past doesn't have me any, anymore. Shame doesn't have its grips on me anymore. And you're looking for other men to set free. Yeah, it, interestingly enough, you know, the endorsing agent said, hey, let's keep this secret. You know, <laughs> let's not, not talk about it. Let's keep the circle as small as possible. And it was like, uh-uh. You know, this has got to go broad and wide and deep. You know, that's the only way we're going to, at least I'm going to come out of this. You know, I don't want to keep it a secret anymore. And then, you know, fighting in the church, fighting in the groups. We started with the five, um, the five video series with Conquer series, did maybe three of those. And it went to the 10, the 10 week COVID hit. Then we went to the um, Soul Refiner. That was a blessing that came up, you know, and using that. And then seven pillars. Warpath. I've done one Warpath, and I have one of my leaders that came up. He's he's doing. Actually, there's two guys. I saw his name on here. One of them. He <laughs> helping with Warpath. You know, and it's it's like, man, now we can start rallying around. I I hungered for that common ground for that fellow warrior to my right and to the left. You know, those those uh, thirty mighty men of David. You know, where his hand was fused to the sword or to the spear. Man, that's. That's what we need. We, we can't fight this alone. You can't do this alone. Scott, when you were in the clutches, in the, in the, in the full-on addiction cycle, what were some of the lies that you were dealing with on a daily basis? Well, one, the first one, I think, and the biggest one was you can't trust God. You know, um, he's going to squash you. You know, other people, if they really knew who you were, they wouldn't love you. You know, you're just a vile person. You know, that impulsive, compulsive, repulsive pattern, it, it just led to that. Um, you know, and he could pull me to the right and to the left. Oh, my gosh. So my wife caught me one time. I was down in the basement of my office, you know, and I was looking at something. And then I, I was able to hit something, you know, to make it go away. And she said, what was that? And I said, it was a, a pop-up. And my ability to lie to my wife with such ease and such speed, you know, that reflects on the depth of that wound, you know, and, and how seared I was and how someone I had taken a vow for to love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. I was able to say, no, I was just a pop-up, honey, you know, and I don't know if I used yeah. honey or not, but man, you know, yeah. I, yeah. Guy, guys don't recognize when when they're in the 
when they're in the full-blown addiction, how much of master liars they are, master uh, manipulators they've become. And so it's not until that denial is broken, and often it comes in the form of a, a pretty extreme scenario where you're, you're found out or you're exposed publicly, right? And because uh, God's gracious enough that he'll do that, um, that it finally gets your attention to say, man, I, I'm a pretty messed up person. I'm, I'm really screwed up here. And God, I know I've got this habit. I've got this secret sin, but, you know, I, I've got all this other stuff that, that I need worked on as well. And so then we go off in this journey of trying to fix the behavior. And God's saying, look, man, I want to work on the heart. And if you just come to me, if we can get close. If we can grow in, in, in our intimate relationship, I'll, I'll, I'll help you with the behavior. You'll start to become repulsed towards it. Mm-hmm. It will start to um, you know, push you away. You won't want to go to it. It was once a, uh, this magic potion, and now it becomes a poison. Yeah. And so I tell guys that, you know, like they say, you know, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I said, look, stay the path, stay the course. You'll get to a place when the desire won't just leave you, the thought of doing that will become so repulsive to you, you you'll actually become angry. Mm-hmm. You'll think of, of, hey, you know, there's pornography out there, there's, there's things that are perverse and, and decadent, and you'll turn your head, you'll get to that point, but you have to stay intentional day by day by day. Um, so, yeah, what kind of struggles did, did you face in your marriage, Scott, before you started to find some sobriety? So, I mean, there was the, the PTSD. So I, I retired in 08, and I say that I had to make a choice between my family and my, my career. So I did a little over 27, maybe 27 and a half, just shy. But my wife will provide more clarity. She said that I couldn't do really anything. Um, so the PTSD was real bad. I mean, there was suicidal thoughts. There was, um, you know, depression, all that kind of stuff was there. Uh, wasn't eating right. Hygiene was bad. You know, um, I was grumpy. I was angry, you know, buried Doug Zembeck. And that was kind of like the tipping point. You know, the, the gentleman that was in the video, he was killed in 07 Mm. and he was a friend of mine. I did his wedding and then his, uh, his commencement at Arlington after we left uh, the Naval Academy. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to waver here, but so the question was my battles? No. No, what kind of, what did, what did your marriage look like before oh, marriage. you yeah, yeah. over? Yeah. So, so my wife always said that I was having a, a, an affair with the Marines, but not a, a sexual affair, but an emotional affair. And I was, and so I got the call that Doug was killed. It was on our wedding anniversary, I went. You know, um, mm. and, and when the negative and the positive kind of, you know, um, become hinged with that, um, I pushed away the feelings that I had for, for, for Doug and the Marine Corps and all that insanity that was there. Um, and when I did that, my marriage went along with it, you know, and, and so just I, I had seared those emotions. I seared my intimacy with my wife. Um, and there, there really was no marriage. I mean, we were roommates. We were, I guess, you know, the, the key term now is intimacy anorexia. There was, there was nothing that was there um, except, for, <clears throat> except for anger. And there was one time 
supposed to be going to do a, a, a wedding and I couldn't find my uniform. And I asked my wife, what'd you do with my uniform? And she said, I didn't do anything with your uniform. And then I'm rattling the door, um, the glass door of the in the bedroom. And my wife says, you leave, or I'm calling 911. And I knew that <clears throat> that was a bad thing. Well, not just rattling the door, but you know, 911. And so I went to work and there was my uniform at work. And so I donned my uniform and I did my duty. You know, so it's like just autopilot, just getting things done, you know, and there's just this empty void, you know, where, where the only thing that seems to surface is, is anger and disgust and criticism and cynicism and regret. Boy, what a, what a terrible place. Christy used to say in the morning, she, she would wake up and she could, uh, as long as she, she uh, stayed awake and, and went through the day, she would be able to go to back to bed again. And then she said, if she kept doing that long enough, she would be able to die, you know? So she wasn't suicidal, wow. but she was just enduring you know, that, that pain. And I think, you know, the oneness that we have, the things we do to ourselves, we do to our bride, the things that happened to my bride happened to me. And that goes back to my parents, you know, the divorce, the domestic violence, the sexual addiction just feeds this stuff, you know, the, the, the adversary has been working on it for a long time, you know, and he'll still kill and destroy not only our testimony, our relationship with our wives, you know, our careers, our lives. I don't know. Too much. That's awesome, man. What did okay. she say about where you guys are at today? So I, I came home yesterday. I met with a couple guys and then I, I met with um, one, one other guy that was in the, in the group and, I was so grateful for her. She's such a blessing to me. And I, I, I don't know, not necessarily the prodigal 30, 31, not prodigal, uh, Proverbs 31 woman, but you know, I kept saying things and she kind of said, what do you want? You know, and it's like, no, 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 I don't, don't want anything, you know, intentional. <laughs> I just wanted to recognize you because every once in a while, there's this huge wave that will come over me, like uh, being so gr uh, grateful. And it was seeing the lives of some of the other guys in the groups and what they're going through. Man, oh man, they're in the midst of a fight, you know, a storm, a raging storm. And there's, they're heading into it. They're not running from it. When we turn into that, that's powerful. And I'm able to turn to my wife. She's able to turn to me. You know, we have each other's back now rather than stabbing each other in the back. You know, marriage was meant to be, um, uh, you know, the shelter from the storm, not the source of the storm. And I think it's, she'd, she'd agree that it's, it's 180. It's better now than it was before, but we still have a ways to go. Wow. Yeah, it gives me chills when you say that guys are running into, running into the storm. They're running into the battle. And, you know, most of these guys, they, they developed this secret thing in their life to cope with the traumas of life, you know, the battles. And so they're doing exactly opposite of what their brain is telling them to do, which is go and hide, do your thing, self-medicate. And now through the grace of Christ, here we are running into the storm and we're telling other guys, hey, let's do this, let's, let's run together, man. This is scary stuff. Yeah. But this is exactly where God wants us to be. So if you want to draw a parallel to the military conflicts, they run into the firefight, you know, 
I was kind of naive. What are those little puffs of smoke in the sand? Ah, those are, that's gunfire chaps. Get behind here. You know, uh, you know, and then the whiz, you know, what was that? You know, that day there was a couple whizzes that we were there and it's, you know, bullet fly, flies by a little close. Um, and I was naive. I didn't know. And that's why we need those beside us. I don't think I would have made it through those, those days without Marines to my right and left. And they say that I did a good job. I encourage them too. So wow. it takes each other. We, we need each other. That's awesome. Lamar, pretty cool, right? Got your mic muted there, buddy. Just an amazing story. Um, and and I'm, I'm so uh, just, I'm, I'm blown away by some of the similarities. And, and you really see a lot of this over in the chat when y'all get a chance. Um, if you get a chance after this, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to, we're going to make sure we capture as much as possible, but you just see the men responding to this, you know, with, with very open arms and also with, with complete authenticity themselves. Um, uh, and, and, and there's been some questions. And so when we get to a point, where we're ready to start fielding some questions, Scott. I mean, we have some, some very deep ones. Uh, we have some, some pointed questions. Um, and so uh, whenever you're ready, sir. Yeah, let's go ahead and start going through some of the Q&A. Um, wow. Yeah, First, I'll, I'll kick. Go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, Scott, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you get, if there's another guy out there who's listening, uh, let's just say that he's right in the middle of this battle. He's, he's mustering up the enough bravery each day to fight one more day. What do you say to that guy? Well, you're not alone, you know, and if, and if you feel you are, that's, that's, that's a real feeling. You maybe it's just finding one other brother to come alongside, you know, and you build that. There is a cloud of witnesses. I know we started that out. I think, you know, maybe at the beginning of this, you're surrounded by those, you know, past, present, you know, and I think there's future warriors that are out there too, that are, um, I don't know, I don't understand the spiritual realm as much as I'd like to, but uh, you're not alone. Um, and, and no fear, man, I guess you look at uh, Joshua, God told him, you know, no fear, no fear. And he was able to run into the battle. I mean, we can look in the Bible. There's all kinds of individuals in there. Um, you know, Gideon hiding in the well, or not in the, the wine press, you know, and God called him wet fleece, dry fleece kind of thing, wanting to, you know, being having that fear. You, you can't steer a park boat um, or a, a parked car or a, a boat, you know, at anchor. Pull up anchor, you know, start that car. Let's get moving you know, engage. That's right. Yeah. I, I love hearing that Scott. Thank you so much. And here's a, here's a very straightforward question that, that I'm really excited about, you know, what are your thoughts about disclosure to your kids? Um, and it comes from a gentleman that has seven kids uh, spanning five years old to 20 years old. And, and I know this is a, a, a very you know, situationally dependent question, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts as a, as a counselor. So as a counselor, someone that's gone through it too, I think, you know, I, I let the kids know there's a pure desire had thing. It's a top gun, I guess. I went through it. With my kids, they said, dad, don't say penis masturbation, any of those kind of things. 
and they, they, they knew my son went away to Croatia. He came back. I guess I shouldn't say too much, but, um, and then when we came back, I was, you know, encouraging him talking to me, he said, daddy, you still into all that porn stuff. And I said, yes, you know, so I'm coming up on five years this December. And, and I asked him, you know, when he knew, and he was seven, I think, or eight, you know, not much younger than I was coming home from, from school. I was downstairs in the basement looking at porn and he walked by the window, popped up, looked, he could see, so there was some Asian gal. Um, and so here he knew way, 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 way before. And I think our wives know way, way before too. Um, but we keep it secret, you know, and, mm. um, and then even the, I, I don't know enough about it, but there's things that are hidden on the computer, you know, cookies and all those kind of things, the things you learn to hide and, and delete and think you think you're going deeper and you're fooling somebody. But my kids would click on things too. And, um, they, they knew from the get go. I wish, I wish <clears throat> so we live by an example, I think, you know, and words are powerful. We can tell them to not do something, but when they see us doing it, it doesn't matter. Not, you know, it's like, say, do as I say, not as I do. But when we start living a life of purity, I think that's when, when things change and it may take a few years. I have three kids. They're older now. Youngest is 19. Um, the adversary would lie to me and say, you've harmed them irreparably, you know, and there's no returning. And that's a lie. And God's going to change. He's changing them. He's changing me. And he can change you too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Amen. Thank you so much for that. This next question, you know, Jeremy, I think you're probably going to want to weigh in on this one as well uh, when, when Scott's finished with it. But um, this is, is really interesting. So Scott, how did you and your wife begin working together through intimacy anorexia yeah so i don't know i went back a little further she went through uh, a thing in seattle with uh, uh dan allender she was sexually assaulted when she was younger and i guess i should let that story be for her but she was in recovery and in the morning she'd get up and she'd be praying on the floor in front of the bed and it was like what's going on down there you know and and I saw her getting healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier. And it was like, wow, you need to do something, you know, young man or old man, you know, um, before she outruns you, which she had already done. But it, if you don't get your act together, you know, it's not going to end well. And so there was a beginning there. So her courage led to me taking courage. Um, and then I wanted her to do... Uh, Betrayal and Beyond, you know, from the Seven Pillars. Um, and we've been anxiously waiting, you know, from the ashes. And it's it's coming, you know, slowly. Um, too slowly, but I, I think you're getting a quality product, you know, and that's where it comes, you know. Uh, we don't want to gun deck to anything. I'm sure that's what, what's going on. We want it to be, you know, pure and, and, uh, and, and right and uh, a good product. So we're waiting, but we went through Stronger Together. We've done that um, twice and we're going through it with it. One couple, you know, us and them. And that's, that's powerful too. You know, revisiting those answers and seeing how you grow and how you mature. And there's other things that come along too, you know, couples retreats. There's an arsenal of stuff out there, you know, combined arms attack, you know, and, and the question was, what? I'm sorry, I ran away. That's okay. That's okay. okay. The, qu the, qu the question was, how did you guys begin to start working through intimacy anorexia? 
Yeah, step by step, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. But until you turn into each other and, and you face it, it's not going to be addressed. We were roommates and, and now we're working on intimacy and, you know, those dailies, sharing two feelings, um, two things you appreciate and praying about. We got a little sticker chart. When I'm good, I get a sticker, you know, and, and I can celebrate it that way. That's great, man. Yeah, and in, in particular, you know, I, I'll endorse that stronger together uh, on the on the Soul Refiner site. Um, it, it's helped my wife and I just tremendously. Um, uh, Dr. Weiss was particularly uh, riveting through that. So, all right, uh, for for the next question, um, just these are going to be really, really heavy questions and um, don't, don't feel compelled to, to, to dive super duper deep here. Um, but so Jeremy, this one, well, this was not, not deep necessarily, but they're, they're looking for the betrayed spouse. They're looking kind of for a timeline here on that video curriculum. And I know that that might be something that is uh, in play you know, fairly. Ashes. Yeah. So in, 20 December 2019 we shot the cinematic parts of from the ashes um, in a in an old prison the, the story is about a woman who was convicted of a crime she didn't commit and she's sent off to a prison uh, this dystopic prison in a foreign land and she doesn't know why she's there um, she was never really given a trial uh, she just accused of this crime and thrown in the slammer and so she's trying to figure out how to get out. And, and I'll go ahead and ruin the story for you, but this whole thing is happening inside of her mind. And, and the viewer doesn't know that until the end of the movie, uh, spoiler alert. Um, but she, she realizes she's in this mental prison and that's, that's what happens when you, when you have a guy who's leaving living a, a secret lifestyle that's finally been exposed. Now um, she's like, what did I do to deserve that? You know, why am I the one who's convicted for your crime? This is your thing. I, I don't want this. You're putting this on me and I didn't even ask for it. And it's a, it's a hell for her. And at the same time, you, you have the guy who's coming into freedom and she's going into prison. All at the same time, it's a strange, strange world because he's feeling I've been hiding this my whole life and now it's exposed. I don't like that, but I feel a relief. I feel the shame coming off. Um, I don't carry the weight of this anymore. And now we, we take that and we throw it right on the back of our spouse and we don't really connect um, in a sympathetic in an understanding way of of really what she's going to going through um because we've just been doing this thing for for so long you know and, and it had nothing to do with her anyways and so the story is about this woman who's convicted of a crime she doesn't commit and it's mixed in with teaching and some other stuff and right after we shot it of course covid hits that was in february march of 2020 and we just the whole production stopped had to hit the pause button on it, but we're wrapping it up. So we're hoping it's going to come out probably in the spring, maybe February, March, somewhere in there next year, if we're lucky. 
Keep my fingers crossed. All right. Well, well, well thank you, Jeremy. And, and you know, kind of, kind of the last really deep question here, and this is going to be specifically for, uh, for Scott. And of course you can weigh in as well, but you know, the question came up, you know, what if somebody seeks porn out as a curious teen or gets introduced to them by a friend? Um, does that still count as trauma? Um, does that still count as something that you know, people can chalk up to either little T or big T trauma? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a the passage, don't awaken, you know, love uh, before it's time. You know, you're, you're awakening things in your head and your heart that that is premature, you know, and it gets a hold of you. You're vulnerable. I mean, you're still developing those neural pathways. The frontal lobe is not yet uh, developed where you can, you know, turn it off. It, it gets you. There's, there's no, it doesn't have to be any big T or little T. It's T itself. It's trauma. That's right. Yeah. There's some other questions in here about disclosure to kids. Um, I would say this in, in regard to that. Um, one of the things that you really should be engaged with, with your children, if you've got, you know, and, and it depends on what the age they are. So I have a four-year-old and seven-year-old, and I talk age appropriately about these things, right? I don't, I'm not going to come out and say, hey, dad was a porn addict to my four-year-old. He's like, what, what's porn? <laughs> it's so extreme. Um, but we have talks with them about, um, about life, about body parts, and about good pictures and bad, bad pictures. And so I'm preparing them for the day that someone's gonna show up with an image that's inappropriate. And that's already happened twice with my children, which is so insane, four years old. And someone is already trying to sear his conscience at four years old. And same thing with my daughter, same year. What, what kind of world do we live in? Like when I was a kid, you know, at least I got the first eight to 10 years to, you know, before I ever saw that kind of stuff. And now it's just, it's at the finger at someone's fingertips with a cell phone, you know, the neighbor across the street. Um, so prepare your kids and then don't make yourself look like a saint. Talk about your failures. Um, talk about, Hey, you know, dad's not perfect. And, and Jesus has really transformed my life. And, and he's gotten me to a place now where I'm so passionately in love with your mother and that wasn't always the case and god helped me with that and and so you can be and that's just you know i'm i'm telling you from my perspective as, as a dad of of young kids um you know if you get teenagers a whole nother story uh because they're they've already saw they've already seen pornography by that age definitely it's about a hundred percent chance they've seen it uh so any thoughts yeah, I, I, I'm excited to speak about this uh, next month, but I'll give everybody a sneak peek. Um, my yuck was incredibly public, and I had to come clean to my kids. Um, and it was probably the best segue I possibly could have had at that point in their lives to start talking about this. And, and it's now to the point where it's, I mean, they're a little bit older. They're 14 through 20, have stair-stepped every two years, all boys. But it's almost dinnertime conversation. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way because I didn't have that luxury growing up. My parents did the best they could, but they had no idea how to talk about this. Um, so absolutely. I just want to share one comment with the, the panel here before we go to close out, men. 
from a gentleman in the meeting in the chat. Thank you so much for these meetings. Such a blessing. Soul Refiner has changed my life. So whenever anybody who is on this panel or in this, this chat room participant on here, whenever you start to feel a little bit discouraged, I want you to remember about, you know, the mission here and how it is helping men all over the world and changing lives. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Please, please, please. That's awesome, man. Well, good deal, Scott. Thanks for being with us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, sir. Got your mute on there, but thank you, thank you. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, you're always welcome back. Come, come back anytime. Um, and yeah, and thank you to all the guys that came out again. Uh, Scott's message is so strong. There's so many powerful takeaways, right? And as many times as I hear the message that we're wounded in relationships, we're also healed in relationships. That still hits me hard. And so gathering together in moments like these with you is a way that we can take our swords and send Satan fleeing in fear straight back to, to hell where he, where he belongs. Uh, so thanks for joining Lamar and I and Scott. Um, as we sign off, uh, you guys are going to have a survey there uh, where we'll, we're gathering everyone's personal prayer requests. These aren't going to be posted publicly. Uh, they're not going to be posted anywhere. So. I just want to assure you that our team will honor honor your anonymity and uh, as we commit to linking arms and praying with you guys. So I also ask that you pray with us. You know, battle is real sometimes, and it feels like uh, as David, we're fighting this massive giant. Uh, however, you know, until everyone receives this message of hope for healing, we're not going to stop. And um, also pray for my wife, Tiana. She's been relentless in jumping over hurdle after hurdle to get from the ashes for the ladies finished. Um, and of course, there's a lot of women who are waiting on that. It hasn't been an easy journey and we could really use your prayers right now um, so that she can finish strong. Good deal, man. So Scott, Lamar, it's been an honor to join you guys. And I look forward to hearing your story next week, Lamar. Yeah, copy all team. Um, just just so everybody can mark their calendars. It looks like we're going to have it tentatively scheduled for the 10th of December. Uh, should be Mission Brief 003. Um, and then we'll, we'll move forward from there. So uh, any any parting thoughts, Jeremy, before I go to close us out in prayer? I don't think so. I think we're good, man. All right, team. Hey, God, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you for this last hour. Lord, this time just flew by. It's because you were right at the center of this. And God, when there's a whole lot less of us and a whole bunch more of you, you know, and you're above time, Lord. And so you make that time go by quicker. You know, you inspire us to go out there and do things that normally we just flat out would not do ourselves. And so, Lord, we surrender to that. You know, we surrender at this moment in time. And then we keep bringing that back to the foot of the cross and leaving it there, uh, knowing that we're surrendering to a victory. And so, God, thank you so much. Um, Lord, we ask blessings for all for these men all over the world through this weekend and into next week and throughout the month. Send your holy name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Great time together. Love you guys. Have yourself a great weekend. Love your wives and do something special for her. Take her out on a date or something. Get dressed up. <laughs> all right. Take it easy. Cheers. <laughs>